0: Hello, I'm Jonathan Mast, and welcome to this edition of the Sedgwick Podcast. I have two great Sedgwick subject matter experts with me today, uh, both from our Workforce Absence and Disability Group. I have David Sitzkorn, SVP, Workforce Absence and Disability, and Bryce Caswell, Director of Product Compliance and Workforce Absence. Uh, Thank you both for being with me today. We're going to talk about something near and dear to your heart, uh, the paid family leave conversation. All right. Well, let's just dive right in, uh, David, and uh, start with you. And and for those who probably will have some who are not familiar, can you give our listeners a brief history lesson on family and medical leave? And then while it seems like a lot, it's an ever-changing thing, but what has changed in the last decade that... uh, you know is, is uh, consequential uh, for those wanting to know
1: yeah and it, it's really interesting because the whole concept of statutory disability and paid family leave has actually been around a lot longer than most people realize um it's got a lot in the conversation in the last 10 years but the reality is is, is that statutory disability insurance actually started back in the 1940s believe it or not Uh, Rhode Island was the very first state to create a national disability program, followed uh, very quickly thereafter by California in 46, and then the originals, uh, New Jersey, New York, Puerto Rico, Hawaii, all came online. It wasn't until the early 2000s where California really kind of ushered in the start of the modern paid family medical leave era. And those six legacy uh, states and commonwealths that we talk about had put in programs that dealt with statutory disability and a paid family leave, but they were separate entities. So you had one for disability and then one to, you know, take care of certain qualifying conditions under the paid family leave. And not all states did that right away. What's really changed within the last two, ten years or so, is that we've seen a new breed of statutory programs Um, that kind of started in Washington, where paid family medical leave became an integrated benefit, meaning we no longer had a statutory disability and a statutory paid family leave. It was one benefit that allowed employees to choose, do I need disability, do I need paid family leave? And Washington sort of kicked this off, and we have rapidly seen more and more states starting to adopt this model. And so it's it's fascinating to me where I hear people say, "Hey, in the last eight to ten years, this has really bloomed." This has actually been since the 1940s, <laughs> prior to the start of World War II, where we're really kind of seeing these uh, these benefit programs become
0: available. Uh, that's that's a good a good overview, and and certainly I think a lot of people be surprised to know that that long history. Bright, uh going over to you, uh, what states are unique in their approach to family? paid family leave, and what laws are they creating or modifying uh, to keep up with employee needs and requests uh, is certainly something that, you know, is, is ever-changing, but uh, where are we at right now, and what can you tell us?
2: Now, all these states are very unique in their approaches, which is really difficult. Uh, as each state comes on, they want to make it their own. They don't want to take what the other states have done. They want to make it better, you know, whatever better is. So that's the difficulty of managing these benefits. You know, they have different requirements for so many things like eligibility. Uh, The job protection sometimes has a different eligibility than uh, the paid benefit for some of these states, and none of those are the same either. This creates so much confusion with the employees and employers because there are claims and, you know, time periods with those claims where, it might not be job protected. And that's different for an employee in Washington State than an employee in New York State. And for multi-state employers, that's really difficult to manage. You know, multi-state employers have to consider each statutory benefit separately. You know, for example, they all, a lot of these newer states, they're doing different things with their pregnancy entitlement. So they'll have extra time on the PFML program for pregnancy. But it's not for the same thing. It's for different things. Colorado, they're upcoming. That only provides extra leave, four weeks of extra leave, for complications. Oregon, they're two weeks, so the time period is not even the same. It's basically for everything. As long as it's a pregnancy-related, childbirth-related, it's very loose. Uh, That will be covered for the two weeks. So that becomes really difficult, all these states making – the choice is, you know, more on top of the other, what is, what each state's doing different than the other. The other thing that states have been doing more recently, just as an example, they are adding a lot of bereavement leaves. California and Illinois, they have both added or increased their bereavement benefits this past year or for different reasons. Uh, So that is something that we are seeing states doing. Uh, Some states are trying to add these as well. Um, so not only are the state providing PSML programs all very different, but they are trying to support their employees through a bereavement means as well.
0: well great. Well, David, uh, many jurisdictions that required paid sick time require employers to allow employees to use it for more than just the employee's own illness. And often it can be used for family members such as children, grandchildren who are sick, maybe having a doctor's appointment, Tell our listeners more about that how's that defined and and how does that fluctuate if at all across the u.s
1: paid sick time is something that has traditionally been in the realm of the employer and as complex as paid family medical leave is paid sick leave is even more so um if you take a look across the the country um paid sick leave was originally it was an employer benefit it was so that if you were sick as the employee you could take time off uh, some more progressive companies did expand it but realistically in the last five to eight years we've seen kind of an explosion not only at the state level but the local level um, as of uh, you know january 1st of this year um or 2024 there's going to be 18 state level requirements that mandate some of paid sick leave that can be used for everything for your own condition taking care of your children or you know certain qualified family members, but they're also expanding to include things like uh, victims of uh, domestic or sexual violence, and it's a it's a very interesting expansion of the programs. And depending on what state you're in, um, there are certain caps. Other states don't have caps. There's certain rollover amounts. Um, unlike you know paid time off programs or vacation programs. These are, you know, these are renewable benefits and, you know, employees, they're kind of a use or a lose benefit. But that's just at the state level. Within those 18 states, there's actually 25 different municipalities that have laws within those that say not only do I have a state level requirement, but in some states like California, I have a whole bunch of local municipal requirements that I have to um, add on benefits around paid sick leave are continuing to expand starting january 1st 2024 illinois will become the third state behind uh, nevada and maine that basically allows you to take up to 40 hours of paid sick time or paid time off for any reason so it's for the traditional reasons i'm sick my kids are sick i need to take care of a family member but you know if you are upset because your team lost the big game you could theoretically take time off under this benefit. And so it's an interesting expansion of paid sick leave time, and I'll be curious to kind of see if this is mimicked in other jurisdictions. Um, And as these jurisdictions like Maine um, is getting ready to enact a paid family medical leave in 2026, it'll be interesting to see if they modify their paid sick time requirements. So for employers, this becomes a challenge very similar to the paid family medical leave because if you have employees who are scattered all over the United States or you're operating in in these jurisdictions as well as employees who are not in these jurisdictions, the, the opportunity to develop a unified single paid sick time policy becomes very challenging just because of the way the different states and municipalities set things up.
0: Right. Kind of going from that, because we're talking about children or grandchildren getting uh, or being available, if you want to take that time off, what's the definition of blood and affinity-like relationships when it comes to paid leave? Uh, Does it differ by state, and what does this mean for employers?
2: So you may be surprised, or probably not surprised at all, that, yeah, it totally differs between the states. They have very different definitions. Uh, It's another place. They're using these different requirements. California, of course, is even more different. They use a designated person, and this is someone an employee can designate to take leave for. So they don't even need to be necessarily blood and affinity, just a person. Uh, For the state level, some states do use a very traditional uh, blood and affinity. So that's Connecticut, New Jersey, and that definition is any other individual related by blood to the employee and any other individual that the employee shows to have a close association with the employee, which is the equivalent of a family relationship. So these are the relationships that, you know, it's the person, you know, uh, you're living with somebody, um, but you're not married, um, or you're living with somebody and you're just really close. You know, it's just trying to recognize these different types of relationships that exist now, or you're really close with your neighbor. They're kind of like your grandparent, but they're not. Washington State, what I just described would not count because Washington State, they want that person to have uh, be someone who's residing in the home has an expectation of care. So there's a level of complexity right there. Um, Oregon, they've used a very similar definition to the Connecticut, New Jersey. And interestingly enough, uh, Maryland and Delaware—they're upcoming. They have not included these relationships, so we'll have to see. You know, will this trend continue? The blood and affinity—is it only certain states? Uh, but it is, of course, just another place where the states are all different, and so we have to know what the the qualifications for this relationship. If this the employee will be able to take leave for those relationships.
0: Full to stay with you, talk about uh, when we look at states across uh, the U.S., how they continue to introduce and reevaluate laws for families in terms of parental leave. Uh, earlier this year, the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act became effective. How does this act protect pregnant job applicants and employee and interact with uh, PFML benefits?
2: Now, there's always something new with the state, so it was interesting to actually have a, a new federal thing this year, uh, and it took effect, the PWFA uh, took effect June 27th, and it really was trying to create something that was outside of the Americans with Disabilities Act um, to really provide protections for pregnant uh, women, you know, employees affected by pregnancy and childbirth. So under pwfa that requires accommodations regardless of whether the employee is disabled within the meeting under the ada or a similar state law so that's what they really want to make sure is to give those rights to the pregnant employees when they weren't already covered under the existing framework of the ada uh, and pwfa does require employers to consider accommodations that relieve an employee from performing an essential job function if the essential function could be performed in the near future. So, again, something different, something more broad uh, that would not be covered under the ADA. Uh, PWFA also prohibits employers from requiring covered employees to accept an accommodation other than one arrived at through the interactive process. So, it's one of those things where uh, the PWFA will prohibit the employers from requiring leave. You know, they really need to go through that interactive process but you have to also remember that the pwfa and all these kinds of accommodation leaves they're going to apply after the employee has exhausted you know their state paid leave benefit that's when we're, we're going to look at if they're going on leave a leave under the pwfa so uh, with those growing number of states that have the pfml laws that provide greater length of leave than fmla now employees may be able to use more leave for their pregnancy disability through PWFA. Uh, It is important to note that bonding is not covered under PWFA. That's only going to be a benefit they can get through their state PSMO or other FMLA, other job-protected leave programs. So the employee will only receive that type of leave uh, if it's available to them under FMLA when they're taking bonding. Uh, But PWFA has expanded a lot of protections for pregnant employees. Uh, Very big move for the federal government to get that passed.
0: So on the last question, uh, speaking to you both, if you want to, to give your thoughts, by 2026, which really isn't that far around the corner, how many states uh, will have protection requiring paid family or medical leave, and how should employers begin to prepare? Because again, in this world, uh, getting something like that in a, you know, it's 24 months, so to speak, it, it I imagine takes a while. So what should we all know?
1: So I'll take the first part of this. Um, so by 2026, it's going to be an interesting question because um, we will have 17 states that either mandate uh, mandate participation in state-sponsored programs or have voluntary programs uh, like in New Hampshire and where they have a state statutory program, but it's optional for employers to opt into it. So we'll have 17 programs like that by 2026, assuming that no other state in the upcoming legislative session or in the near future uh, adds, and there are several states still looking at it. We're also going to have about four or five different states that have passed variations of paid family medical leave that are not mandatory, but it allows insurance carriers in those states To offer think of it as add-ons to their short-term and long-term disability policies where employers can add paid family leave as part of their disability benefits it's a rather new concept that happened about a year year and a half ago um so we're waiting to see kind of how that takes off but if you look at both of those programs um, and everything remains as is by 2026 we'll have almost 21 states that either have mandatory voluntary or some type of paid family medical leave add-on, which means over 40% of our country will have some type of protection that may be eligible to employees. that's a pretty significant number because at that point, that's usually where we start to see the other states come online or say, hey, we need to take a look at this to be competitive. Um, time will only tell how many more states are going to add on, but having you know 21 states having some type of program, that's a pretty significant number, and it's going to be really, really challenging for employers. Yeah,
2: and there's really no... Magic bullet to cover all of these states in one policy. You know, it, to to make something that would give you uh, the the benefits that would cover every single state, that would be a rather difficult, outrageous, cumbersome, impossible type of uh, policy for your employees. So you really do have to take each state individually and know what are the requirements. Uh, that. You need to work with your, you know, administrator or insurance carrier to tackle each of the states. Uh, You know, so perhaps in the next year, you know, make sure you have a a solid uh, footing on what states are already in play. Make sure uh, everything uh, is running as well as you can because we're going to have an onslaught coming up in 2026. It's going to be really difficult to do four uh, in one year and three at the same time going live. So that's going to be challenging for employers in those states. Uh, I did see rumblings and, uh, you know, the federal government wanting to take this up again, trying to do some kind of federal program, uh, which they acknowledge, you know, people are complaining, employers are complaining. It's very difficult. This is, if you're in all of these states, it is a minefield. It is near impossible to work through all the nuances, and there are so many nuances in each of these states. Uh, we'll see what the federal government can do. It is an election year. Uh, so no promises there. The Republicans and Democrats certainly have different opinions on how that would work. I don't no comment there. Uh, so but we'll see what happens. You know, a federal solution would help a lot, but so far we don't have it. So we have to take each state, take it as it is, uh, and hopefully at some point get to
0: calmer waters if people are listening and want to know more looking for how we can assist what uh, what and where should they turn
1: so you can go to cedric's website uh, you know uh, com. we have a variety of resources out there that um are available uh externally Um, For clients at Sedgwick, you can always reach out to your client services teams. Uh, We have, uh, you know, uh, subject matter experts in statutory compliance, everything else that are more than happy to reach out. But uh, 2026 is going to be an interesting year because of the number of resources. So we strongly encourage employers to start, you know, um, thinking about it now, um, you know, as they get ready to start to set their benefit programs for the next couple of
0: years. Fantastic. Well, thank you both again for – for sharing your expertise, Uh, and I think this is going to be a very helpful uh, podcast for those listening, and uh, we thank everyone for their time today, and we'll catch you on the next podcast.